Hello, and welcome to Harry Potter and the Methods of Rationality, the podcast. There is no new episode today, as I am at Worldcon over the Labor Day weekend. However, please enjoy one of the shorts from Chapter 64, The Amake Files, Alternative Parallels. Parallel 1, Lord of the Rationality. Frodo glanced at all the faces, but they were not turned to him. All the council sat with their downcast eyes as if in deep thought. A great dread fell on him as if he was awaiting the pronouncement of some doom that he had long foreseen and vainly hoped might after all never be spoken. An overwhelming longing to rest and remain at peace by Bilbo's side in Rivendell filled all his heart. At last, with an effort, he spoke, and wondered to hear his own words as if some other will was using his small voice. "'We cannot,' said Frodo. "'We must not. Do you not see? It is exactly what the enemy desires. All of this he has foreseen.' The faces turned to him, puzzled the dwarves, and grave the elves. Sternness in the eyes of the men, and so keen the gazes of Elrond and of Gandalf that Frodo almost could not withstand it. It was very hard, then, not to grasp the ring in his hand, and harder still not to put it on, to face them as only Frodo. Do you not question it? Frodo said, thin like the wind his voice, and wavering like the breeze. You have chosen, of all things, to send the ring into Mordor. Should you not wonder? How did it come to this, that we might, of all our choices, do the single thing our enemy most desires? Perhaps the cracks of doom are already guarded, strongly enough to hold off Gandalf and Elrond and Glorfindel altogether. Or perhaps the master of that place has cooled the lava there to set it to trap the ring so he may simply bring it out after it is thrown in. A memory of awful clarity came over Frodo then, and a flash of black laughter, and the thought came to him that this was just what the enemy would do. Only the thought came to him so... Thus it would amuse me to do if I meant to rule. There were doubtful glances exchanged within the council. Glowin and Gimli and Boromir were now looking at the elves more skeptically than before, like they had awoken out of a dream of words. The enemy is very wise, said Gandalf, and weighs all things to a nicety in the scales of his malice. But the only measure that he knows is desire, desire for power. And so he judges all hearts. Into his heart the thought will not enter that any will refuse it, that having the ring we may seek to destroy it. He will think of it, cried Frodo. He struggled for words trying to convey things that had once seemed perfect in his comprehension and then faded like melting snow. If the enemy thought that all his foes were moved by desire for power alone, he would guess wrongly, over and over and the maker of this ring would see that. He would know that somewhere he had made a mistake. Frodo's hand stretched forth pleadingly. Boromir stirred, and his voice was doubtful. You speak fair of the enemy, said Boromir, for one of his foes. Frodo's mouth opened and shut in desperate bewilderment, for Frodo knew, he knew the man was mad, but he could think of nothing to say. Then Bilbo spoke, and his withered voice silenced the whole room, even Elrond who had been about to speak. Frodo is right, I fear, whispered the old hobbit. I remember, I remember what it was like, to see with the black sight. I remember. 
The enemy will think that we might not trust one another, that the weaker among us will propose to destroy the ring so that the stronger may not have it. He knows that even one not truly good might still cry to destroy the ring, to make a show of pretended goodness. And the enemy will not think it impossible that such a decision be made by this council. For you see, he does not trust us to be wise. A whispering chuckle rose from the ancient hobbit's throat. And if he did, why, he would still guard the cracks of doom. It would cost him little. Now foreboding was on the faces even of the elves and the wise. Elrond had frowned, and the sharp eyebrows of Gandalf furrowed. Frodo gazed at them all, feeling a wildness come over him, a despair, and as his heart weakened, a shadow came over his vision, a darkness and a wavering. From within the shadow, Frodo saw Gandalf, and the wizard's strength was revealed as weakness, and his wisdom, folly. For Frodo knew, as the ring seemed to drag and weigh on his breast, that Gandalf had not thought at all of history and lore when the wizard spoke of how the enemy would not understand any desire save power. That Gandalf had not remembered how Sauron had cast down and corrupted the men of Numenor in the days of their glory. Just as it had not occurred to Gandalf that the enemy might learn to comprehend foes of goodwill by looking. Frodo's gaze swung to Elrond, but there was no hope there, no answer and no rescue in the shadowy vision. For Elrond had let Isildur go, carrying the ring from the cracks of doom where it should have been destroyed, to the cost of all this war. Not for Isildur's own sake, not for friendship had it been done, for the ring had killed Isildur in the end, and far worse fates could have followed him but the doom that had stemmed from Isildur's deed would have seemed unsure to Elrond then, unsure and distant in time. And yet the cost of Elrond himself taking his sword's pommel to the back of Isildur's head would have been surer and nearer. As though in desperation, Frodo turned to look at Aragorn, the weathered man who had donned his travel-worn clothes for this council, the heir of kings who spoke softly to hobbits. But Frodo's vision seemed to double, and in the shadowy second image, Frodo saw a man who had spent too much time of his youth among elves, who had learned to wear humble and stained clothes amid the gold and jewels, knowing he could not match them wisdom for wisdom, and hoping to outplay them in a fashion they would not emulate. In the sight of the ring, which was the sight of the ring's own maker, all noble things faded into stratagems and lies a world of gray and darkness without any light. They had not made their choices knowingly, Gandalf or Elrond or Aragorn. The impulses had come from the dark hidden parts of themselves, the black secret depths which the ring had rendered plain in Frodo's vision. Would they outthink the shadow when they could not comprehend even their own selves or the forces that moved them? Frodo! came the sharp whisper of Bilbo's voice and Frodo came to himself and halted his hand reaching up toward where the ring lay on his breast, on its chain, dangling like a vast stone around his neck, reaching up to grasp the ring wherein all answers lay. How did you bear this thing? Frodo whispered to Bilbo as if the two of them were the only souls in the room, though all the council watched them. For years? I cannot imagine it. I kept it locked in a room to which only Gandalf had the key. And when I began to imagine ways to open it, I remembered Gollum. 
A shudder went through Frodo, remembering the tales. The horror of the misty mountains, thinking, always thinking in the dark, ruling the goblins from the shadows and filling the tunnels with traps. But for Bilbo wearing the ring that first time, not a single dwarf would have lived. And now, Legolas the elf had told them, Gollum had given up on sending his agents against the Shire, had at last found the courage to leave his mountains and seek the ring himself. That was Gollum, the fate which Frodo would share himself, if the ring were not destroyed. Only they had no way to destroy the ring. The Shadow had foreseen every move they could make. Had almost, Frodo could not imagine how it had been done, how the Shadow had arranged such a thing, had almost maneuvered the council into sending the ring straight into Mordor with only a tiny guard set on it, as they would have done if Frodo and Bilbo had not been there. And having foregone that swiftest of all possible defeats, the only question remaining was how long it would take to lose. Gandalf had delayed too long, delayed far too long to set this march in motion. It could have been so easy if only Bilbo had set out eighty years earlier, if only Bilbo had been told what Gandalf had already suspected, if only Gandalf's heart had not silently flinched away at the prospect of being embarrassingly wrong. Frodo's hand spasmed on his breast. Without thought, his fingers began to rise again toward the vast weight on the chain on which the ring hung. All he had to do was put on the ring. Just that, and all would become clear to him. Once more, the slowness and mud would leave his thoughts. All possibilities and futures transparent to him, he would see through the shadow's plans and devise an irresistible counterstroke. And he would never be able to take off the ring, not again, not by any will that would be left to him. All Frodo had of those moments were fading memories, but he knew that it had felt like dying to let all his towers of thought collapse and become only Frodo once more. It had felt like dying. He remembered that much of Weathertop, even if he remembered little else. And if he did wear the ring again, it would be better to die with it on his finger, to end his life while he was still himself. For Frodo knew that he could not withstand the effects of wearing the ring a second time, not afterward, when the limitless clarity was lost to him. Frodo looked around the council, at the poor, lost, leaderless wise, and he knew they could not defeat the shadow by their own strength. I will wear it one last time, Frodo said, his voice broken and failing, as he had known from the beginning he would say in the end. One last time to find the answer for this council, and then there will be other hobbits. No! screamed the voice of Sam as the other hobbit began to rush forward from where he had hidden, even as Frodo, with movement as swift and precise as a Nazgul, took out the ring from beneath his shirt. And somehow, Bilba was already standing there and had already thrust his finger through. It all happened before even Gandalf's staff could point, before Aragorn could level the hilt shard of his sword. The dwarves shouted in shock, and the elves were dismayed. Of course, said Bilbo's voice as Frodo began to weep. I see it now. I understand everything at last. Listen, listen, and swiftly, here is what you must do. End Lord of the Rationality 
Thank you for listening and come back next week for Chapter 65, Contagious Lies. 